Hallelujah. Have you figured out that what the world needs most is Christ? Amen? We don't need another political agenda. We don't need to have all kinds of pills and medications to try to help us cope with each day. What we need is Christ. We need a heart that is renewed by the Spirit of God. We need to have the Word welling up in our heart. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to flow out of us like rivers of living water. Amen? Praise God. Well, we're glad you're here tonight. Pastor's away, so he asked me if I would cover the preaching for tonight, in which I said, sure. My daughters have told me that what they're going to put on my gravestone is, sure, because that's what I always say. Sure, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I usually end up taking on far more than I can stand. So it's, that's just kind of me. It's my nature. <laughs> Hallelujah. We do want to make our confession tonight, Okay. So if you'll all please stand, we'll do our declaration. Amen. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same, never, never, never. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Yes, the Word definitely changes our lives. Tonight we're going to be in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 3, verse 5 through 14. The title of this message is called Answering the Call. And I hope that you all realize that on your life when God called you, into his kingdom. He called you for a purpose. You're not just called to take and get saved and that's your get out of hell free card and now you just go home, home to be with the Lord. If that were the case, we would have held you down longer in the baptistry and send you home right away, okay? But that's, that's. <laughs> okay, so 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 through 14. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said, Ask what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in upright of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in it. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked us. And God said to him, because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my, command, in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is light and life to our hearts. Father, I pray that our hearts will be open to receive from you today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive, Lord minister to our lives, that we will grow thereby in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Okay, so answering the call now, I have the pleasure of teaching the School of Ministry, and I also teach the membership class, which some of you are in my membership class. Where are you? Where's Tammy? Tammy's here and Lee, yep. Um, so you've heard some of what I'm going to say here tonight. Uh, what has been so impressed on my heart? You know, a lot of pastors have different things that really, you know, grip their hearts. And in my case, God has always had me on the area of discipleship. Discipleship means everything as far as I'm concerned. Because it's, I, trust me, I love healing. 
I love the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles, and mighty deeds of God, and God promises them, and sure, we should have them. Amen? But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, if I'm healed, I want to know how to walk in Christ so I keep that healing. Amen, sister? I want to keep that healing. I want to know how to overcome in this life. I mean, if you were to picture like a Sylvester Stallone movie or an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you know, everything's blowing up. We have all these explosions and everything else. And then there's these big clouds, and then out of the cloud comes Arnold. You know, just strolling through. I mean, that's how I want to go through life. I want to be able to come out on the other side of the battle. And I got to promise you, I have had many battles in my life. But the bottom line is I want to know how do I overcome. The Bible gives us promises that we can overcome. We are new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I don't have to walk in the old ways anymore, but how do I go about doing this? And a lot of it comes down to our heart when we answer the call of God in our lives. What's been impressed on my heart is to effectively communicate to my brothers and sisters in the Lord the need to pursue God's calling and to fulfill all of God's will for my life, okay? And I trust that that's where your heart is at as well. Whenever I teach my classes, I always go over the mission of the church and I always go over the vision of the church. The vision of this church is to discover, develop, and deploy disciples into their defined destiny. Okay, we want to discover them. We want to go out and get them and bring them in. We want to be able to develop them, train them up in the ways of the Lord, have them discipled. And then we want want them to be able to go out of here and to be able to go out and actually influence the culture for Christ. Amen? So it is our belief that God has a divine destiny, a specific calling, place, and purpose for each of his people and will lead us to the vocation, place, and calling he has already purposed for us from when? Before the foundations of the world. Do you realize he's called you before the foundations of the world? Do you realize that when God called you, he had a plan and a purpose for your life? And he wants to fulfill that purpose in your life. The only thing that stands in the way most of the time is us. You all agree with that? Okay, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Do you realize where you live and where you were born was all ordained by God? That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not very far from us. This is Paul's address to the the people at the Areopagus, and he is explaining the nature of God and man's responsibility. And that's basically what the Christian life comes down to. It's the provision of God. It is the power of God. It is everything that God has given us, but it's our responsibility. We have to do something with what God has given us. Just an example, when a temptation comes, how do we handle that temptation? We need to know who we are in Christ, the strength we have in Christ, what God has placed in us, and that I do have the power to stand against that thing, and then I have to choose to stand against that. The Bible tells us resist the devil and he will flee from you. But what comes before resisting is submitting to God. How can I submit to God if I don't know him? How can I submit to God if I've never walked with him? Okay, we want to walk with him. God has created each of us, I believe, for a specific purpose, and he's given us the ability to accomplish his purpose. However, it is up to us to seek God, to feel our way toward him, to find him to accomplish the purpose for which we were created. Now, many years ago, back in 1995, I guess it was, I had a woman who, in church who actually read a prophecy over me, okay? She was very prophetic in the church, and she had a prophetic word for me. And in that prophetic word, she said to me, she says, I see a silo. Now, I was born and raised on a farm. She said, I don't know why I see a silo. Maybe it's because you were born and raised on a farm. But God had showed her a silo. And she said, what the silo is filled with, it's half full, and it's half filled with the word of God, okay? But she says, the Lord has called you to be a teacher, but the Lord would have you to wait. 
And then she went on, I, I don't remember the rest of it, but basically she was saying that the Lord needs to prepare you. He needs to build you, okay? Well, I didn't listen to that advice, okay? Because I'm not that kind of guy. I just, well, let's jump in with both feet then, you know? I figured, man, I'm a, I'm a double dipper with a racing stripe down the side, man. I'm gonna be pastoring a 5,000 padded pew church in two, two years, this is gonna be excellent. So I launched out and I fell flat on my face. And I realized it's better to wait on the Lord. Why? Because only God can fulfill his call in our lives. Okay? And I realized that I had to wait on the Lord. The truth is, though, here it's now, what, 27 years later? And that's exactly what I do. And I teach in the school of ministry. I love it. I love God's calling. You know, when you're called by God for something, you should love it. It should throw your heart. If you're going through ministry and you're miserable in your ministry, there is something wrong with you. Now, for all the people in here who have been in my school of ministry, you can tell I get excited about teaching. I just love it. That's what God has called me to do, amen? But only God can fulfill his call. For God's will to be accomplished in your life, you must go after him with all your heart. Now, remember I said that God places a calling on each of our lives. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That means that he doesn't take them back. He doesn't give them and then say, Well, Lewis, you haven't done anything with it. You know, I'm just going to take it back. You know, he doesn't do that. He gives us a calling. It's up to us what we're going to do with that. Okay? And we need to pursue that calling, and we need to pursue that calling by faith fully convinced that God is able to do what he's promised, just as Abraham did. Abraham was called to go out of his country to a place he didn't even know where he was going. I've been there. God called me out of one church many years ago into another church after serving in the church that I was at for 20 years. I figured I was going to die there. I never thought I'd ever leave that church. I was so happy there and serving there faithfully, and God called me out and brought me into a new church. The bottom line is, I didn't know where I was going at the time. I just had God's call that we're done. And actually, pastor was preaching at the time, and we were building a new building, and he was saying how it was time to leave that old building. And he says, it was time to leave. And I heard God say to me, Marty, it's time to leave. And I was like, what? And I got scared because that's never happened to me before. And then pastor said, it was time to leave. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I said, Lord, I need to have a real sign. I need to know that this is God, right? And next thing you know, pastor said, it was time to leave. And I'm sitting there thinking, pastor, do you realize you're preaching me right out of your church tonight? <laughs> the, the bottom line is, is that I had to realize that I need to go by faith. I prayed about it for a year, and after a year's time, one, one day I wanted to go to a Bible study, and we didn't have a Bible, Wednesday night Bible study in our church, and I went to a neighboring church, and I knew the pastor there, and I went in, and next thing you know, as soon as I walked in, I felt, oh my goodness, this is where God's calling me. The weird part was, was that Pastor Anthony, who was my pastor, and, and who was the pastor of that church, he came up to me, and he says, so Marty, are you guys in the new church now? And I said, yes, we are. And he says, so things are going good there? I says, oh, yeah. And he says, you've had services there and all? And I says, yeah. And he says, so are you staying? And I almost fell over. I didn't tell anybody. And he says, are you staying? And I says, well, actually, no, I'm not. And he says, oh, where do you think God's leading you? And I says, I really think he's leading me here. And he says, well, have you talked to your pastor about this? And I says, No. And he says, go talk to your pastor and then come back and let me know and we'll make it happen. And it did. And it happened. You know, the bottom line is I had to believe on faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And that's how our walk in Christ has to be. We've got to believe that what God has called us to do, that we can do it. And we need to launch out by faith. Now, understand, you will either answer the call or you will answer for the call. In the parable of the talents, what did we have? There was one man who received five talents. He went out and got five more. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, the one who got two talents said, you know, uh, he went out and got two more talents. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. But the third one took his talent and buried it in the ground. And he didn't take and do anything with it. And the master called him, you lazy and wicked servant. 
I want you to understand the call of God on our lives is not something to be taken lightly. Would you agree with me on that? That's something that God, the God of the universe has placed a call on our life. We need to answer that call. Well, in the scripture tonight that we're looking at, uh, Solomon had a purpose and a calling of God on his life. And though God would provide everything Solomon needed, Solomon had the responsibility to pursue that call and be faithful to that call, just like each of us. Solomon, just to give you a little background, he was the second son of King David uh, between, in the union between David and Bathsheba. Uh, the first son had died after David's sin with Bathsheba and killing Uriah the Hittite. But in spite of these failings in David's life, Scripture tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. Why was he a man after God's own heart? Well, because he regarded highly what God wanted and, and wanted to follow his plan. He had two opportunities to kill King Saul and didn't do it because he said, I'm not going to lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. He respected God. Even though King Saul was trying to kill him, he still would not raise up a hand against him. Okay, he was a man after God's own heart. Now David had it in his heart to build a temple to the Lord. He said, I'm living in a paneled house, you know, and I've got the swimming pool and the barbecue grill and everything else, and I'm doing great. And in the meantime, the Lord is living in a tent. Okay, well, we know the Lord doesn't live in a tent. Amen? The whole universe is his. But that's where they met with the presence of the Lord. Okay, so it was in David's heart he wanted to go build a temple. And so Nathan said, well, go ahead, do all that God has called you to do. And then God corrected Nathan, the prophet, and said, go back and tell him he can't build a temple for me. For me. Okay, and the reason why was because he had fought many battles. He shed much blood on the earth. And God said, you can't build a temple for me. However, God had a plan. The desire that David had was a good desire. Sometimes we can have good desires in our lives. We can honestly feel in our heart that this is something we feel the Lord's leading us to. But it may not be us who's going to do that. And we need to realize only God, like I said, can fulfill the call in your life. All right? So David couldn't do it. However, God had a plan. God would have his son build a temple. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, David says, Of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, It is Solomon your son who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. So we see from these verses that Solomon had a twofold calling on his life right from the get-go. One, he was to be on the throne as king of Israel. He was to replace his father David on the throne. Secondly, Solomon was to build the temple of the Lord. And the interesting thing is, is that David, through the rest of his life, would save up all the cedars of Lebanon, all the gold, everything that he would need to build that temple. And I hope that you as parents, I hope you come alongside your kids. When your kids are taking and they're, they're pursuing a course, if God gives you the ability to help them out, help them out because God's going to create a legacy through you. Amen? And the, although Solomon's calling, he had the call. But understand his call was not unchallenged. His brother Adonijah tried to steal the throne from him, tried to take and claim it for himself. Who all knows? You don't claim a calling on your life from God. It's God who calls you. You can't do that on your own. But the point being that in this life, if you've heard God's call and you want to pursue God's call, and I, I pray, if you haven't heard, heard God's call, get in prayer and seek God's call. But if you've heard God's call and you want to pursue that, you're going to be challenged in it. I'm telling you right now. There have been many trials, many fires I've had to go through to get to where I am today. And it's funny because the first ones I had seemed so like, you know, really were real bad you know now I look back at those things like that's nothing compared to what I've gone through since you know but the bottom line is you're going to be challenged you have an enemy that does not want you fulfilling that call and he's going to do everything he can to stop you to put a quent to quench your heart to get you to get that spirit to give up oh it's just not worth it he's a liar and the father of it he's always been a liar and the father of it you don't want to listen to the devil amen so in regarding Solomon, he did pursue that call. And so the first point we're going to look at, we, all that just to get to the first point, guys. Uh, the first point, Solomon's upbringing. First Kings chapter 3, verse 6, it says, Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love 
to, to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in upright of heart toward you. You have kept him for this great and steadfast love and has given him a son to sit on the throne this day. Now, I want you to know, he noticed David's walk with God. And I got to believe that Solomon also knew David's failings before the Lord. There were times that David failed. He made mistakes. But you know what? The Bible tells us that we are kept by God. We are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. I got to tell you, when I said yes to Jesus, I had no idea the course that I would end up going. And bottom line is, I got in my office. I was in my office. I was in in New York at the time. And I said, Lord, if you'll take me back, I'll give my life to you. And there was something that God did in my heart, and he just sealed my heart. And from that day forward, I would never go back on the Lord again. Did it, was I successful in everything I did? Absolutely not. Well, Brother Marty, did you fail? Uh-huh. Well, how, how many times? Hold up two hands and say truckloads, okay? But the bottom line is, I am kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed. If God doesn't keep us, we ain't going to get there. Does that make sense to you? We're not going to make it into God's kingdom if he's not keeping us. And I got to tell you, the Bible tells us, fear not for I am with thee, be thou not dismayed for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. We are upheld by a hand of righteousness that will not fail us. Do you understand that? And so we need to put our full trust in the Lord with all our heart. Amen? Okay, so Solomon makes it very clear that he recognized God's faithfulness to his father David, which shows us that Solomon had a godly upbringing. Solomon recognizes two things. Number one, his father David had walked in faithfulness, righteousness, and upright of heart toward the Lord, meaning David was not a hypocrite. He not only taught his son, but demonstrated what he taught through godly living. Do you understand that the testimony of your life speaks volumes to those who are watching? I can remember many years ago, I, was in, uh, I, I used to work for the school district, and it was in the middle of the summer, and I was in the buildings and grounds department, and we were renovating the building and stuff like this, and I had one of the guys told me, a guy by the name of Matt Friends, he told me, he says, we, we were talking about how guys do what guys do. And we cuss and we swear and we spit and all that, all that kind of stuff. Well, I told him, I don't swear. And he says, oh, come on. Every guy swears. And I said, no, I got saved. And when I got saved, God just took that out of my life. And he did. It, I never even thought about it. It was just gone. And he took it. He says, well, I'm going to watch you this summer. And I got to tell you, I'm going to watch to see. And because I'm telling you, every guy swears. And for a split second, here's why you got to know who you are in Christ. For that split second, I thought in my mind, I better not swear. If I thought that way, and if I bought into that lie, I'd have spent the whole summer blankety, 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 blank. No, we're not going that way. Okay? I very quickly, the Spirit of God quickened my heart. I was like, no, that's not me. I am no longer that person. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. That's not me anymore. Amen? And next thing you know, when we got to the end of the summer, he came up, and he had his head down like this, and I'm like... And he says, okay, I have to confess, I didn't hear you curse once all summer. I said, praise God. Let me ask you this. Have you ever given your life to Christ? I mean, hey, it's a time to take and share the gospel, isn't it? Come on. Yeah. So in either case, bottom line is David walked it out and he lived it out. My daughter in the morning, she gets up. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning every morning because she has to be at work by 6 and she has like an hour drive. So she's up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I just think it stinks when you get up in the morning and you're the only one up. So I get up with her. and I. But every time she comes into the living room, she usually drags in somewhere around 5 o'clock. I'm sitting there with my Bible and my stuff. She sees that every morning. Why? Because... Number one, I got to be in it. <laughs> I need that. Okay, but number two is the fact that it is a testimony to her that I'm walking this thing out. So when I tell her, come on, we can walk this thing out, I want her to walk it out. I'm setting the example. Guys, you may take and tell you, be one of those ones that tell your kids, you know, do as I say, don't do what I do. 
I got to tell you, your children will do what they see you do. And it's important to realize that. You set the example for your children, and you are a testimony to them in the areas of Christ. Amen? Also, David, the second thing David did, he impressed on his son that Solomon would continue his legacy, which would glorify the Lord. I want you to know, many years ago, back before we had all this high tech and, you know, planes and jets and trains and everything, and planes, trains, and automobiles, um, the bottom line was people stayed pretty much within their hometowns, didn't they? And what they did was they usually took on their parents' businesses, their parents' jobs. They followed in community. And I don't think that was a bad thing. I'd love to see something like that today. The truth of the matter is that now the opportunities are there for them to launch out and spread out, okay? But back then, there was a legacy, okay? Even though I was born and raised on a farm, I had my cousins, Mike and Jimmy, were working with me on the farm. As we got older, they went off to college and then they left. I went off into the military, I came home from the military, and I continued with the farm until we sold it. But the bottom line is, when we sold the farm, my father told me, he says, do you guys realize that if you had stayed with the farm, we might have been bigger farmers? Yeah. What's that talking about? It's talking about legacy. Well, let me tell you, as a Christian parent, you leave a legacy to your children. And that legacy has to be a faithfulness toward God. When you hear what, David, what, what, what Solomon said, that David had walked in faithfulness, righteousness, and upright of heart toward the Lord, he saw that. That was a legacy that was built into Solomon. And that's the same legacy we need to build into our children. Are we building in a legacy? I may not be able to leave them riches and money and you know hotels and all kinds of junk like you see on a Monopoly board, but the bottom line is I want to leave them a legacy. If they're born again in the Spirit of God, praise God, they have a legacy. If they get saved, they give their heart to Christ and they begin to move and flow in, the, in his calling on their life, that's a legacy. That's the legacy we need to leave for our children. Parents have a great calling on their lives in bringing their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents must understand that they not only take responsibility for themselves, but they take responsibility for up to four generations. I have three grandchildren now, hoping for more, okay? But I have three grandchildren. And I got to tell you, I spoil the heck out of them. Yes, I'm that granddad that takes and gives them $2 every time I go over to the house, you know. But the bottom line is, is that I need to take responsibility for them. So I speak into my children's lives. So they will raise their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Does that make sense to you? That's the legacy that we need to leave for our children, okay? Second thing we're going to look at is Solomon's humility. 1 Kings 3, 7, and 8 says, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. I want you to know that Solomon here is demonstrating a true heart of humility before God. He uses the term little child. He calls himself a little child. Why does he do that? It's actually expressive of his recognition of the fact that first off, he was a young man. Okay? He wasn't like his dad. He was a young man. So he had, he was inexperienced not only in life, but also in government. Okay? His father led Israel. Wow. And now that's being passed to him. I'm only a little child. I don't know how to do this, you know? I, I could tell you on the farm, the first time my dad put me on a tractor, I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm so far up off the ground, you know? And then dad told me the second thing. He says, understand this tractor's gonna go wherever you put it, tell it to go. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> Responsibility kicked in, this is scary. I won't tell you all the stories on that one. But in either case, yeah, as Solomon recognized the fact that he was inexperienced both in life and in governing. He realized that his responsibility is facing is even greater. Why? Because this isn't just any nation. This is Israel. This is the people of God. I am accountable to the Lord for these people. Oh my goodness. And he had a fear of the Lord. And he wanted to be certain that he's bringing, that he's leading the people as they should be. If Israel were to experience all of God's blessings, they must be governed in accordance with God's 
precepts. Now, one of the things we do, I already told you the vision of the church to discover, develop, and deploy disciples into their divine destiny. The mission of the church is on earth as it is in heaven. What have we been called to do? We are called by God, first off, to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I want you to know the fact that if you're saved here today and you've given your heart to the Lord, God has called you as a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. To do what? To enculturate this world with the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that's what we're supposed to do. Whatever is bound in heaven, we're supposed to bind on earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven, we're supposed to loose on earth. We are representatives of the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors. And as such, we have the kingdom dwelling within us. If we're born again of the spirit of God, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We are to bring the kingdom to this world. That's part of what we're called for. Our purpose and calling as a church is to enculturate the world with the kingdom of heaven. Now, essential to that mission is that we build with the ideals of heaven. Okay? There are a lot of churches today. Well, we don't want to say anything about sin because a lot of people may leave. We don't want them to leave. You know? Well, we don't want to talk about adultery. We don't want to talk about the gay lesbian thing. We don't want to talk about this stuff because people may leave. I got to tell you, you're filling your church with tares. You are not filling your church with disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? The bottom line is we are to bring the kingdom to bear in this, in, in this world. And therefore, we need to build with the ideals of heaven. Now, for those who are in my membership class just this past week, we talked about the values of heaven. We talked about values like integrity. We talked about honor. We talked about responsibility. We talked about the very things that we need to take as Christians. Guys, you can't walk any way you choose. If you're born in the Spirit of God, there should be a change in your life. You know, what is true biblical salvation? True biblical salvation is, a, is realizing the work that Jesus did on the cross at redemption. It is meeting it with a confession of sin, repentance toward God, which means a change of life, a changing of mind that leads to a change in life. If there's no change in your life, there's something wrong with your salvation. Bottom line is, I heard Edwin Lewis Cole at a Promise Keepers convention one time said, if this book is not Lord of your life, then Jesus is not Lord of your life. You may go around calling yourself a Christian. You may wear, you know, crosses and everything else. But the bottom line is, if your life is not being conformed to the word of God, you are lying to yourself and you're deceiving yourself. You know, we are to take and actually walk this out. We need to build with the ideals of heaven, not with the tools, ideologies, and provision of the enemy. Otherwise, we're only perpetuating the influence of the enemy. I've heard churches where they said, oh, we got to have all this big power. I mean, we got to have all the, the lights and, the, and we got to have the smoke and all the amplifiers and everything else. I've been there. I've been there. I was called one time to play drums for a church. And what they had, they had, they had rented a church space and the, the whole field. And for a whole day, nothing but music, preaching, teaching, the whole day. And they called me up and they said, we need a drummer. Would you drum for us? I said, sure. That's what I do. I say, sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I got over there. I set my drums up on this huge platform. It was like the size of the sanctuary. And then they, I looked and I had this big speaker there. And it was 1,000 watts of power coming out of that monitor. There was 5,000 watts coming out of the towers out to the people. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I got it now. And next thing you know, he says, he mic'd my drum set. And he says, okay, hit the kick drum. And I went, boom, like that. And the whole ground went, boom. I was like, I have the power. Woo! I was excited. This is exciting. But it was on the grounds of Catholic Church. And in the Catholic Church, that same day, he scheduled two baptisms and one wedding. So we got up there. We got all tanked up, plugged everything in. We hit, hit the music and started playing. He comes out, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't play right now. Excuse me? We can't play right now. This went on for a good portion of the day. And we were all kind of getting discouraged. So then me being who I am, I took and I went up and I, I asked the guitarist, I said, can I borrow your guitar a second? He said, sure. The people were under a tent. I said, come on, let's go out there. And we took the guitars, the acoustic guitars out under the tent. We just started playing and praising God. And they all joined in. And the Lord showed me. He says, 
The power is cool. No two ways about it. And there's nothing wrong with it. But it's not a requirement to bring the Spirit of God in. The Spirit of God can be ushered in by a simple voice singing the praises of God from a sincere and pure heart. Amen? We eventually did get to play, and it was awesome. But the bottom line is, is we need to realize, I don't need those tools to build the kingdom of God. I don't need the tools of the enemy. What's the enemy have? We got to have all this stuff. No, we don't have to have all that stuff. If you are born again in the Spirit of God, you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you got the power of the Spirit of Christ in you, you can have Holy Ghost revival right where you're at. Okay? And we can have Holy Ghost revival right here in this church right now if we want. Amen? Praise God. Solomon understood, though, he understood that only the wisdom that God alone could give would be effective and absolutely necessary in governing his people. Solomon realized, I need something more than me. Do you realize that? I need something more than me. I can't preach myself. If I don't have the anointing of the Spirit of God, and trust me, I've been there. There were times where I got up in the pulpit, and all of a sudden I felt like Holy Ghost says to me, hey, listen, I'll see you after the service. Ah! And I'm humming, 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 humming. You know, I don't get no respect, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it was not working, okay? But the bottom line is we need the power of the Spirit of God, okay? So the third point I want to look at is Solomon's vision. 2 Kings 3, 9 through 12, he says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life, riches, or even the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what's right, Behold now, I do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall ever rise after you. Isn't that like our God? You know, the Bible tells us now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Solomon's asking for wisdom. He's not only getting wisdom, he's getting wisdom personified. Something that's going to astonish the world. Solomon's request, being given such a position of authority, does not follow after what what most men would ask in a similar position. I don't know how true it is, but somebody was telling me that King Charles over in England, now that mama's gone, um, that he took and he, was at, he wanted to sit down at his desk or something and there was a pencil on the desk and he was waiting for someone to move the pencil for him because he's not going to move it. He's the king. I don't know how true it is. That's what somebody told me. And I'm thinking, what arrogance, man. What arrogance. Do you realize when you stand before the king of kings and the lord of lords, I think you'll move your pencil. You know, the the bottom line, I don't even know where that came from. That's not in there. But the bottom line is, is that here Solomon is in a position of leadership and yet he's not asking for the things that most people ask for. He doesn't ask for prosperity, long life, or even victory over his enemies. I think I probably would have asked for at least that, you know. Instead, he asks for the most essential thing, wisdom to lead God's people. And because of this, God promised him the very thing he sought, wisdom in such measure that he would stand alone among men. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and we know we have the petitions that we've asked. When we ask in accordance with God's way, God's word, God's will, when we're seeking his kingdom to be built, The promise that we have from the word of God is that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know we have the the, the petitions we've asked. Amen? Think about the confidence of that. I think about Israel when they would go into battle. And they take and say, Lord, should we go up against them? The Lord says, go, I've given them into your hands. Come on, bring it on. We got this battle. You know? There's a confidence there. The Christian life is not one that, that lacks confidence. Many people miss the calling of God because they seek God's call for selfish reasons. I'll tell you a quick story. I've told a lot of stories. Tell a quick story. Um, I do this all the time in my school ministry. Okay? Uh, I was in my devotionals one morning, and the, and the Lord laid on my heart. I, I do a lot of studying, and he laid on my heart. He says, why are you studying? 
Well, that's a searching question. And I felt the Lord say, are you studying to be a scholar or are you studying to draw close to me? And that was, yeah, that's a heavy, isn't it, brother? That was a heavy to me. And there's a reason why. Because when I was in high school, God gave me a fast mind. I picked up on things real easy. I never had to work for anything. I graduated with honors. I had a regent's diploma. Um, Everything came easy to me. I never had to work for it, okay? And I always regretted that I never applied myself. I went in the military. I came out of the military. I was under the old GI Bill. I could have gone to school for free for 10 years. They would have paid me to go to school. I could have had a college degree. I could have done all these things, and I did nothing with it. You know what that is, brothers and sisters? That's having a calling on your life or having the abilities that God has given you and doing nothing with them, just burying them in the ground. And it's bothered me. It bothered me a lot. When I went through the New York District School of Ministry, I was determined, darn it, I'm going to do this thing right. And I did. I had straight A's. And that got real dicey towards the end. Because after you're taking like 30 classes, and now you're coming down to the last two classes. If I get a B on the last class, I'm going to die. I can't live with that, you know. It's like, it took me all this just to get here, you know. But it meant something to me. Because... I felt I failed in my life and I wanted to make it right. Well, do you realize that the things that you've faced in life and the things you go through, they influence your Christian walk? They influence your attitudes. So the question was very valid from the Lord. Why are you studying? Are you studying to satisfy your own heart because you feel like a failure and you just want to make that right? Or are you studying because you want to draw near to me and be used by me to influence the world? Do you see the difference? And I got to tell you, many people miss God's calling because they're looking for selfish reasons. And that's not even a bad thing. Going to school and being a good student, there's nothing wrong with that. But the bottom line is, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. What's the heart in this thing? Are you really seeking me? When we truly seek him, it's different. It's really different. Well, let me tell you what really blew me away. I shared this with my daughter Elizabeth, and we had a day out. That, that day we went out, and I shared it with her. The following morning, I sit down, and I open up my devotional in the morning. I, I usually go through like four different devotionals. And I flip open the book, and I look at the devotional, and the title on the devotional is Student or Scholar? I almost fell right off my chair. I'm telling you, I'm like, Lord, you are amazing. Why does God do this? Because he doesn't want me to stay where I am. He wants me to be better than what I am. He wants me to ever press on. Amen? Solomon, understand, the Bible says in James 4, 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Solomon's great request was not for riches, fame, or fortune, but was for wisdom and understanding to accomplish the task that God had called him to. He was focused on the calling of God to seek that which he would need in order to carry out God's calling. That's where we need to be, church. If you want to see God's power released in your life, that's what it's going to take to release it. Okay, in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. This time last year, I weighed 221 pounds. I don't weigh that this year. I went off my diet. And when I went off my diet, my pastor said to me, Pastor Rick, he says to me, Well, you had a goal back then. You had a vision. He says, what's your vision now? I didn't have any. This is the result of no vision, guys. I just want you to know this. That's the result of no vision. So now I have a paper on my back door. I put my weight on it every day. I have things to say, you can do this. God can do this in your life. And I need to get back there. Okay, what happened? Without vision, we cast off restraint. You know, the question we must ask of ourselves, what type of vision do we possess? Is it a worldly vision seeking for ourselves or a vision we've received by revelation from God to fulfill his plan and purposes? Amen? If our eyes are focused on our needs, our wants, our desires, that's kind of like the devil. The devil had eye trouble. I will set my throne above the throne of heaven. I will take and do it. He had eye trouble, okay? 
if we take and follow that example, we will never get anywhere in the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, Psalms 122, verse 9, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Now, there are many people in the body of Christ that will tell you, oh, no, you're not supposed to seek prosperity. You're supposed to live in poverty. That's a lie from the devil. God wants you to seek prosperity for a purpose, though. Again, what's behind it? For the glory of God, for the sake of the Lord our God, for his house, for his kingdom, for his glory, to honor him in this world. Amen? When we are seeking to do that, I got to tell you, you can believe for prosperity. I believe that. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14, Paul says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I wasn't just laid hold of to get my get out of hell free card. I've been laid hold on by the Lord Jesus Christ for a purpose. And I want to reach for that. I want to go after it. I want to lay hold of what he laid hold of me for. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. I only need to do one thing. Go after him. Get your eyes on Jesus and go after him. I need one thing I do. I press. I got to find my place. Uh, (laughs) One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind What things? My desires, my wants, all the junk that I had in my life before I got saved. Amen? Does that make sense to you? And I I leave all that behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Pressing would indicate that it's going to take effort. It's going to take strength. We're told in the Bible, be diligent to make your calling and election sure. What does diligent mean? It means I've got to stretch for this thing. I've got to push for this thing. Amen? I believe that if we get our priorities in order and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that we need would be provided to us according to his richness and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? I think God would open up the floodgates of heaven. Why? Because you're seeking my will. And so what did God do? Because he asked for wisdom. Because he asked to be in line with God's will, God says to him, I give you also what you have not asked for, riches and honor so that no other king shall compare to you all the days of your life. Amen? Do you want to see God's fullness of his blessing? That's how it comes about. Last point, I've got to rush on here. Solomon's responsibility. 1 Kings 3.14, it says, And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandment as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Here God is reminding Solomon of his continued responsibility to walk righteously before God as David his father has done and as David encouraged his son to do. Okay, God is always faithful. Understand that. God never leaves you. He will never forsake you. He doesn't turn his back on you. He doesn't give up on you. What do you do? You just keep taking the test over and over and over and over and over again until you get it right. Okay, but you can take and forsake God's plan for your life. You don't want to do that. Okay, Um, like I say, Bottom line is, God is always faithful, but if we want to enjoy the fullness of God's blessings, do you want to enjoy the fullness? I got to tell you, I don't want to settle for second best. You know, I don't want peanut butter and jelly. I want steak with A1 sauce. That's what I want. Man, I want tiger sauce on that thing, TR. I'm telling you, I want a meal. And a lot of people settle for less because they don't press in. We must understand that if we want to experience the fullness of God's blessings, we must always walk in accordance with and obedience to God's will. Oh, there's that bad word, obedience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There has to come a place in your life where you say, you know what, Lord, no longer my way. I want to do it your way. I don't want to be Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. No, I want to do it God's way. Okay, I want to follow after what Jesus said. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Amen? Everything in the word of God is about God's provision and man's responsibility. The Bible tells us to whom much is given, much is required. A lot of people want to be in leadership. Let me tell you something. Much is required. 
I know. <laughs> okay, and God's going to call you into accountability. Solomon had been given great provisions and possibilities as the king of Israel, but with them came great responsibilities. With great provisions and great possibilities comes great responsibilities. Sometimes we can get our eyes on the provisions and the possibilities and we forget about the responsibility. You know, if you're in ministry, okay, I have several ministries that I'm involved with here as well as doing work in the, in the office. I have to be faithful to that. If I'm not faithful, then I'm not faithful to God and I'm dishonoring God. Period, finish, the end. I'm just being real with you. You know, if you've got a responsibility, you need to take and take that responsibility. Solomon, understand, had a great start, didn't he? Would you say that this was a great start that he had? Throughout Israel's history, there were always wars to be fought. Read this Bible from cover to cover. All they did was fight, 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 fight. And then they were under Roman rule and they were under oppression and everything else. Do you know the only time was during Solomon's reign, he had peace on all sides around him and that Judah and Israel lived in safety all the days of Solomon. That's pretty cool, isn't it? What's interesting is that the name Solomon actually means peace or peaceable in Hebrew. We're told also in 2 Samuel that the prophet Nathan, upon instruction from the Lord, named the baby Jedediah. No, not Jed from, you know, Beverly Hillbillies. All right, Jedediah. Uh, meaning beloved of God. Truly, Solomon was beloved of the Lord. He had the sense to recognize his need for wisdom. God had given the kingdom rest from their enemies, and God provided for all of Solomon's need. And if we stopped there, we'd say, wow, that's amazing. What a life. Unfortunately, it didn't stay that way. Solomon did build the temple. He was the wisest man who ever lived. However, he also loved many foreign women. He had lusts in his heart. Now guys, we all have besetting sins in us. Things that we fall prey to. We need to learn to say no to that thing. We need to, by the power of the Spirit of God, put the de to death the deeds of the body. That's what the Bible says. By the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. God will put those things to death, but we've got to be willing to do that. Amen? In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. i got to tell you, this word, when I first started reading it, now a lot of people have in the back of their Bible, it may have a thing like if you're you know, sick, read this scripture. You know, if you're having a financial problem, well, read this scripture, you know. And that's a great way to start. But that's not where God wants you to stay. God wants you to get this word so much into your heart that your attitudes, your actions, your ideals, everything begins to change in your life. And I have to think about a lot of things sometimes because my heart already says, no, we're not going that direction. Isn't that true, sister? That's the way it is. God wants to change us from the inside out. But for that to happen, we need to put that word in our heart. He says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The deeds that people do, that's on the outside, but they spring from what's in the heart. If there's darkness in the heart, that's what's gonna spring out on the outside. You gotta deal with the heart. Understand, church, your call will not go unchallenged, as I said. Just as Solomon's kingship was challenged by his older brother Adonijah, and just as he got, fell prey to loving many women who led his heart away from the Lord and serving him in pure worship, okay? Just as that happened to him, it can happen to us as well. Satan will challenge God's call on your life. He will put many obstacles in your way, bad things to get you weary in following the calls, tempting, te call tempting you to give up. Well, why don't you just give up? Ain't no use. I, I've been serving God for 20 years and life hasn't gotten any better and everything else. Well, I gotta tell you, Jesus didn't lie to his disciples. When it came to his disciples, somebody came up to him and said, Lord, I'll follow you. He says, seriously, you're gonna follow me? He says, foxes have holes, birds have their nests. I don't even have a place to lay my head. How's that working for you? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You know, he never lied to the people. He told them the truth. It's gonna be hard. And I gotta tell you, the Christian life is hard. It's difficult. But I gotta tell you, we got power to meet that through the power of the Holy Spirit, amen? Other times he may take and do even worse. He may bring 
good things into your life, desirable things to get you distracted from following God's call. Pastor said this before, in the Garden of Eden, you had the tree of good and evil. It wasn't just the tree of evil, it was the tree of good and evil. Though things may have been good, the thing is, were they God? Are we following God things or are we following good things? I know a lot of people who, have, who follow good things, but they're not following God things. Amen? Sometimes Satan will put things in your life just to distract you. How do we handle these temptations? Very simple. It's not simple, but it's something you need to work on and you need to allow your faith to build in it. James 1, 16, 17 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift that comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning. What does that mean to us? I'm glad you asked that, Brother Mike. What that means to us, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Get your eyes off of the things of the world. Get your eyes on God. It says that our lives are hid with God in Christ Jesus. That means there's a life up there that's in Christ that I can partake of here on this earth. I want to reach for that. Amen? Set your affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our heart, our vision, and our purposes have to be found in Christ when they are in Christ, that will keep you in the right place. And it'll keep those restraints on. Amen? Praise God. And lastly, do what the Bible says. First Peter 5, 6 through 10 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Do you understand that God is committed to you in this? He sent his son to take your penalty. That's how committed God is to seeing you succeed. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants all men everywhere to repent and to actually live the life. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. God wants us to have an abundant life. Amen? And he's committed to you. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan has devoured many Christians over the years. Why? Because they didn't keep their eyes on the Lord. They weren't alert. They weren't sober. They let themselves be intoxicated by the desires of this world, and it choked out the word that was in them. Amen? So be sober, be vigilant. And it says, um, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. What should this produce in us? If I know, brother, that you're going through the same struggles I'm going through, what should that produce in me? It should produce in me a heart to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to put this brother in prayer. Lord, I pray that you help him and keep him from the evil one. Help him to find his calling. We are called in the Bible to pray for one another. Okay? When you look at the armor of God, you know, having on the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, etc., and it says, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto for, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Perseverance! Perseverance! I'm to persevere in praying for the saints. We have a sheet in the back that you can sign up on. I expect all of you to sign up tonight. No, there's a prayer sheet back there. Why? We've got 24-hour prayer going. We need to be praying as a church. We've seen an outpouring of God in this church. Why? I believe it's because we're praying. Amen? God precedes everything by prayer. And then lastly, he says, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I can tell you this, God will work in your life. And you, if you will partner with the Holy Spirit, he is going to establish, strengthen, and settle you in the faith. And you're not going to be driven by every wind of doctrine. You're not going to be tossed around in this world like a puppet. You're going to be able to stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen? So in conclusion, the preachers always got to at some point say we're closing. So in closing... Um, what we've seen today is that Solomon had a great start. He had a godly upbringing. He humbled himself before God. He asked the right questions. He had the right vision, and he set about to fulfill God's call on his life. However, it's not just about having a good start. You can be great out of the gate, but fail at the end. Okay? It's about how you finish. 
I like what the Apostle Paul said when he said, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. There is now laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall award me in that day. And not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. Do you love his appearing today? I trust. Amen? If you love his appearing, that's a promise to us as well. But we need to realize that we need to stand faithful to the Lord. Faithfulness will make the difference in your life. When you set your heart to seek the Lord. When I dropped on my knees that day in, the, in, in my office, and I said, Lord, if you'll take me back, I'll commit my life to you. God sealed that. My heart was in the right place at the time. And even though I've had failures, I've had problems, I've struggled with a lot of things, God has kept me because I'm kept by the power of God through faith. And he's going to see me through to the end, being confident of everything. He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen.